Welcome to the interview chair. My name is Jimmy Casas and I am your host. Are you an educator who is currently feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, or wondering if you can continue to do this work? Visualize yourself back in the interview chair. You are genuine, sincere, and full of passion. You convinced the group of people that you were the best person for the job and you believed it. That is the real you. Thank you for joining me as I take you back to the interview chair to remind you of why you wanted to become an educator. Welcome to episode 10 of the interview chair. Today's topic, eight ways to improve our communication. I still recall the day I stood in front of a room full of people trying to navigate the emotional sentiments of some of my parents that I could attribute back to a failure on my part to communicate effectively. The truth is, I knew better. I can't even imagine sitting in the interview chair and telling a committee of people that I was a poor communicator or that I would get back to people when and if I had time, depending how busy I was. But there I stood. I had served long enough as a principal to see the damage that came from my poor communication, my inability to communicate in a timely fashion, or worse yet, my failure to communicate altogether. Ironically and quite frankly, I often found myself in my role as a principal addressing issues with my staff that revolved around ineffective communication. And now here I found myself behaving in a similar way, serving as a poor example due to my own shortcomings. Call me a hypocrite if you will. It wasn't that I underestimated the fallout that I knew would occur from a decision that I had made and felt I needed to make. Maybe that is what led to my failure to communicate the information in a timely manner, somehow subconsciously leading me to believe that it would not matter. Yes, it had been a hectic week and I was trying to navigate what seemed like a bazillion things that were coming my way, but quite frankly, People didn't want to hear my excuses. So I did the only thing I could do at that moment, which was to do what I said I would do in the interview if I ever felt short of my own expectations of myself. I would simply apologize. I truly believe that many of the morale issues, harsh feelings, and unnecessary work that is endured today in schools and organizations alike that negatively impact organizational culture, all can be related back to poor communication, thereby causing me to examine closely and pose the following question. Is it the root of all evil? Now, over the years, I've reflected back many times on my failures to effectively communicate in order to try and understand when and why this happens. In doing so, I decided to share a few examples, not only to learn from my own mistakes, but also to help you and others so you will not have to endure a moment in time like I did that evening from my error in judgment. I hope that by doing so, it will serve as a reminder of the critical importance of doing our due diligence up front so that we do not cause irreparable damage on the back end. After all, no one is immune from failing to effectively communicate at some point in time, but it should not keep us from striving to model communication that does not detract from our goal of bringing our very best and contributing to a culture of excellence.
So here are eight things to ponder in order to become a more effective communicator. Number one, timely communication is vital. If last minute becomes the norm, people will begin to question your effectiveness as a leader. Great leaders recognize this and lean on a team of people by giving them permission to help keep them organized and hold them accountable. Number two, if there is a concern or an issue that needs to be addressed, it is best that you have the conversation in person rather than via email whenever possible. In instances where you receive contentious online communications, respond by asking if you can meet face-to-face -to, -face to discuss the concern. Now imagine sitting in the interview and being asked the following question. You get a lengthy email from a parent or staff member who is upset. The language in the email is negative and attacking. How do you respond in order to maintain a positive relationship with this individual? Do you know what I know for sure? Not a single one of us said we would go back at that individual like a keyboard warrior and play tit for tat. But examine some of the behaviors of staff today who get their feelings hurt and then gossip to others about the experience, justifying their own response because they felt attacked. Pause and reflect, and then moving forward, respond to inappropriate emails as though you were sitting in the interview chair. Number three, if you are concerned regarding the way something was communicated or don't agree with a decision that was made, I would encourage you to go to the source of the information or communication in order to clarify or inquire about the decision. Gossiping to others about a decision or how it was communicated will not resolve your issue but learning more about the situation and or decision may help you better understand why it was made. Number four, if you know of a student that is struggling but has typically been successful in school, take time to seek out that student and ask what you can do differently to help them be successful and then follow up with a phone call to a parent. The mere fact that you took the time to ask and call will help build trust with your students and parents. Number five, there is no excuse for not contacting a parent whose student is failing your class. By failing to do so, we must own our part of the failure. The conversation is sure to take on an emotional and negative tone if the communication comes after the final grade has been given. Remember, if you interviewed for a position today, my guess is not a single one of us would state that we don't call parents, that we don't have time to call parents, or worse yet, it is not my job to call parents. Number six. Now having said that, going back to number five, we can predict that there will be times when we struggle to make phone contact or face-to-face -face contact with a guardian or family member. If you are having difficulty contacting a parent or you are unable to reach a parent altogether due to a non-response or non-working number, seek the assistance of a colleague or administrator immediately and ask them to help you make a contact. This is one way they will see you being proactive in trying to help students be successful. Number seven, 
Whether you are a teacher or an administrator who is dealing with student behavioral issues, stay out in front of it by communicating early on. The last thing we need is for things to build up and then when we reach a boiling point, have a parent hear for the very first time the entire laundry list of miscues by the student. And finally, number eight. If you are a witness to a good deed, be sure to make it a priority to validate that person's good work in person or through a personal note. If it involves a student, as we all know, a positive phone call home can be a game changer for many kids and parents who are not conditioned to hear such positive comments coming from schools. We need to make sure that we are champions for recognizing and communicating good deeds as much as we are at reporting bad news. I am not sure we can ever go wrong with over-communicating as long as we are doing it effectively. We must recognize that the way in which we communicate the timeliness of our communication and the quality of our communication will determine the value and contribution of each individual member of our community and their impact on the success of the entire organization. In reflection, I have gleaned that the manner in which we condition our students, staff, and parents to respond to our communication ultimately will determine our success as an organization. In order to maximize our effectiveness and our success, we must learn not to take communication personally, but to make it personal so that the root of communication does not succumb to evil, but remains healthy and vibrant where good always prevails. My friends, it is time to recalibrate. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I hope that you will join me each week as I take you back to the interview chair. Because I know this, that when you sat in that interview chair, that, my friends, was the best version of you. Be sure to check out my website at jimmycasas.com backslash the interview chair for links, resources, and show notes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at casas underscore jimmy. If you enjoyed today's show from the interview chair, subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast to ensure you never miss an episode.